1: Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, Aaron. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. How are you?
2: I'm doing pretty well. I've been, as we were talking pre-show, I've been enjoying now that we're officially in Spring in the Mountains. I got a new baseball cap today. I'm feeling pretty good about it. That.
1: What, what team is that?
2: So... And minor league baseball this year, they're doing a bunch of Latinx outreach, and this one is for the uh, Hickory Crawdads team, which is which they're renaming the llamas because Hickory is such a big, uh, I guess, uh, furniture town. Like that, like that whole entire part of the state, it was really big in making furniture, and I guess they thought because llamas chew on wood, let's do it like that. But I liked it because it was cor- colorful and festive. And it weirdly, looks like he's smoking a joint on it. Now I'm <laughs> questioning my purchase. <laughs>
1: Okay, Uh, joined also by Nate, a.k.a. Epidysis. What's up, Nate?
3: What's up? Uh, I'm alive. I thought I escaped the mania sickness, and then I I fell back into the grips of death uh, because there was a fucking snowstorm here for some reason, and now it's 50 degrees again. Uh, Yeah, I'm alive. I thought the podcast was going to be ending about 30 minutes ago, but... You know, uh, things change in an instant. So now I'm kind of like fired up because uh, it's been just weird evening.
1: Okay, cool. I uh, SB came down with mania sickness. I thought I'd escaped, but I then I picked it up from her, I suppose. So I've just been sick, and I'm starting to get better. So now that everyone knows how we feel, I think that's good. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. Make sure that you are subscribing to the show. Uh, rate and review the show on iTunes. Don't be one of these people who leaves a one-star review. It's very rude. It hurts my feelings. Leave a five-star review and say very nice things about us.
3: Thank you to Nick207.
1: Yeah, yeah. Big shouts. Yeah, and uh, get back on Twitter because they haven't been around in a minute. Yeah, you are missed on Twitter. We need the takes. You can follow me at AaronLikeTheCar. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at FujiHeyYa. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot going on this week. Uh, some of the stuff we're going to talk about right before we started recording, there was a report uh, from 411 Mania from a reporter from The Rap talking about AEW's TV deal. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about Shima coming to AEW, Darby Allin also. We're going to have two Road to Double or Nothing episodes to break down. And as always, Nate will break down being the elite for us. So let's start talking about the rap. Basically, the report was that, well, there was a podcast, but I haven't listened to the whole podcast, so I'm not going to pretend that I have, but it really didn't come out with enough time for us to listen to the whole thing. But the nut of the podcast is that this guy from the rap, Tony Maglio, claims that AEW is going to be paying TNT for their time that the show will be one hour because, you know, it's expensive to buy time to be on TV. And so uh, instead of Turner paying money to AEW for the uh, for the wonder for the that's not the word I want to use, but whatever, to get to put their show on, AEW is going to pay them instead. The privilege, the privilege. That was right. That's what I should have had. Uh, So that's the report. Let's assume for a second that it's true, Nate. Uh, what do you think about that, and what does it say about where AEW stands?
3: Uh, so I had three takes if we were proceeding under the assumption that the report, report is true, which um, everyone on the WWE-liking uh, side of Twitter has decided is 100% true. Um, first of all, uh, this would be Bad and not good for the company and the promotion. Uh, The real advantage and uh, dare I say the purpose of AEW launching at this point in time in media was that the television networks are doing big buys for live programming, uh, as we have seen with other sporting um, uh, products and with the WWE. So if now AEW is going to have to be shelling out for a hope at getting future big money before the inevitable collapse of television, Uh, and that would not be good for their long-term prospects. Um, My second take was uh, I was going to blame this on Vince and the WWE for having a product so bad and unwatchable that it's driven away like 50% of their fans over the last two years and consequently uh, cluing all the television networks into the fact that live wrestling just is not as valuable as actual good live sports. Um, And my third take was, hey, we can just transition this into a stardom podcast since uh, Mike's on board now.
1: Absolutely. Great idea. Uh, Mike, anything to add on, on the under the idea that this is a true report?
2: Okay. If we're going to talk about this as a legit report, this is not without precedence in the wrestling industry. Uh, more recently, TNA did this with Fox Sports Network when they stopped doing their weekly pay-per-views. They paid for, I think it was close to six months or so of an hour programming across the Fox Sports Regional Networks and down the line that resulted in them getting a about 14 million dollars per year deal from Spike at its peak. So in recent history, we've seen this happen before. And also Vince McMahon when he first started doing his big territorial expansion bought time nearly in every local market. Like before before like they started doing deals, like one of his big gross things, monopolize industry was to go ahead and have their product on ahead of time and be able to do it that way so that's that's under the assumption that this is all true it's also worth noting that the wrap is primarily a tv business uh, blog to my knowledge and also they don't do a whole lot of wrestling coverage so th- that does put it in a little bit of a dubious light towards me at least just because they're really the only ones reporting this and you, there's not really someone of record that's been talking to him about it. But they are also the people that said that AEW would be at the Turner upfronts within the next two weeks. So it's interesting. It's no, definitely
3: it's not. That's not the front row. Brian said the upfronts thing, the rap oh, was the people who said maybe if the deal gets done before the upfronts, but they weren't uh, conclusive about that. The rap did have that bit about it, about there possibly being seasons. And also that double or nothing would be like on YouTube and shit.
2: Okay, yeah, I knew they were involved. I forgot about front row Brian because I tried to push that guy to the back of my brain. But yeah, this is one of the things that's definitely discouraging, and it kind of would go counter to a lot what uh, Tony has said in interviews about this being the proper climate for this. But I mean, also if we're looking at this at the long run, if they are buying time, it's not a great thing, at least like perception wise. But this is the Con family, and the amount of money that they would have available to do this is ridiculous. I mean like when we were talking earlier on the show, this is this is a family that is several multiples a level of wealthy than the McMahon's. So what we might see is, oh, they're buying time would be completely different to them. And one hour on Turner does not sound like how anyone would want a program. Just that that's just how I think of it off the top of my head. That's just my own belief. But yeah, it was interesting. And of course it came out at 6 30 in the evening. So that was made a very interesting thing as we were getting things ready to start up recording tonight.
1: Yeah. I guess my main thing I would want to have on the record is if this is true, it's very bad. Like this would change completely change my outlook on the promotion, especially after they've spent so much money, presumably uh, putting together this uh, very talented roster. And it would also really make me worry about the leadership of uh, Tony Khan. Uh, And the leadership of everybody involved in the promotion, because like Nate and Mike said, it was made very clear early on that the point was they could make money in TV by launching this promotion now. And if that is no longer available to them and they're still pushing ahead, I would be very concerned about where this is going to go. Now, all that said, my sense is that this is not uh, a correct report. And I say that for a few reasons. One You know, as I'm reading the quotes from the guy from the rap, Mike is right. You know, this is a a TV reporter, which should give him some pretty good expertise as it relates to this. On the other hand, he throws in some things like, quote, as excited as people are, they have cool T-shirts and a cool roster, you know, but they're unproven. Let's be realistic. No reason to believe that this guy knows anything about the roster, like in, in real life terms, right? Like his,
3: his Twitter biography does like have a mention to WWE. So it seems like he's probably a fan. I had not heard of him before, but he may follow the business
1: on a personal level or something. Okay. Well, okay. Then I'll move on to my second point, which is do it. He says another very good wrestling reporter. And I had been talking dot, dot, dot. Well, considering that there are no good wrestling reporters, that makes me concerned for his uh, for what he's saying. But then I understand from other people, maybe that he's talking about Mike Johnson.
2: So, so still not a very good wrestling reporter.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's right. just like if you're saying, Hey, I know this. And also it's been sourced to me by a wrestling reporter. Then I'm like, ah, I'm just skeptical of, of what you have to say. It was yeah.
3: So something that was, uh, I mean, the reaction was all the most ardent WWE likers. We're all like, "Oh yeah, this has been in the dark DMs for weeks." <laughs> so, <laughs> this is this is who we're talking about has apparently been clued into this. Um, so I'm not making a judgment on that either way, I guess. But that's my uh, my observation.
1: Yeah, and and the last thing I'll say on this is just that, for various reasons, the three of us at least are are very confident that this report is false and that uh, AEW is going to be on TNT through a deal where TNT pays them money to be on TV.
2: Yeah. And I, I just like focus on that. Oh, they haven't proven anything yet when we've already seen all in completely sold out near near, near the moments double or nothing sold out within an hour. And then today the fight for the fall on pre-sale has gone on. And the last time I checked and we don't know if necessarily if how they're doing their tickets, because it's kind of, they like plot things. I counted that you two were on the call as I counted the seeds. They had 134 tickets available on the Ticketmaster site. Now it's not a resale site or it could be resale, but I just question the slant and the bias. And again, I admit that I might be coming from this from a pro all elite bias. So it's interesting. And I just can't get over the idea of if you're going to be buying for TV for prime time, why only are you only buying one hour on TNT when they've all talked about doing two hour programming, but you know, we'll see. It'll be interesting.
1: Yeah, that's another weird thing. A, a lot of the reporting, I'm not saying that it's not wrong, but a lot of different reporting from different people would be very wrong. Things that guys like Cody and Jim Ross have said publicly would be very wrong. So, I'm I'm very skeptical of the report. But I think I've made that clear.
3: Yeah, um if we're, we we have just as reliable a contrary report as we'd have a confirming report. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, that's fair. What what Nate is saying is that it has been reported to us that this is false, and from someone that we would put more faith in than Tony Maglio. Or at least equal faith. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But a- as we're saying about whether there's some slant, there could also be some slant from this other
2: report that we've heard. <laughs> right, that's what, yeah,
1: that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, that's-
2: it, As you it, said that, I was
1: like, "Yeah, we should clarify that or a little bit."
2: Right. Yeah, and it's also good to say that it's still six months out from when they wanted to start running shows, and there's no deal that's on paper that's being reported yet. So this is all rumors and happenstance and positioning. It could be positioning from Turner's side feeding it to this entertainment reporter. Who knows?
1: But I just I go back to that the Dave report about this deal being bigger than any other than any deal, other yeah. Cw, and. It's like we know that that was fed to him from the AEW side. But would they really want to put that out and then be like so far off, like miserably off? I mean, it, would,
2: <laughs> it would be such a bad public
1: relations thing. Oh, totally. AEW.
2: Yeah. And it would be for a group of people that have been as forward facing as them to be so far off and to be frankly showing their ass like that would be such a tremendous misstep and something that they would not need to do unless they say, Oh, our negotiations went wrong. Then why do the negotiations go wrong? I mean, you're leaving yourself up for so much, just so much backsplash, but. And
1: I expect billionaires to in all reality, be actually shitty at business and kind of just trip over their dicks into success. Uh, So I'm not going to say like, Oh, if, if, the cons are involved in this. There's no way this is going on. I, I don't believe that at all. It's just that with what Tony has said, he seems to have an idea of what's going on in this market and to have misread it so poorly. And that's one thing, but then they keep trudging on. I mean, that's like a real Vince McMahon move, right? Like the XFL, even though I've seen the AAF fail miserably, I'm just going to keep going at this.
3: So I was going to double down on my point that this is the WWE's fault for killing wrestling ratings. Um, and then, yeah, it's, you know, the AAF has been a failure. Um, partially because they had to rush to market because Vince has his own harebrained idea for a second football league. So yeah, doubly Vince's fault. Cause he killed two live sporting properties in the last year or something. He's going to kill another one next year if it happens. Um, so there you go.
1: I guess there is a fair argument that the AAF is further evidence that not just having any live sport on television is going to do big numbers. So maybe mm-hmm. you could say, well, we've seen that. So now we're less interested in this wrestling property. Well,
3: that would be a reasonable stance. Y-
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, I probably. think. But that's the thing, right? Is any reasonable person has long thought that these TV deals were insane, right?
2: Oh, like, yeah. They're in it mental.
1: All of us think that the WWE Fox deal has no basis in reality as far as the return that Fox is going to get from the WWE television.
2: No sports steel has a basis in reality. I mean, regional baseball, I mean, regional television networks are paying baseball teams quarter billion dollars for. Right. So it's hard for me to
1: believe that all the TV execs woke up after AAF and were like, oh, we actually shouldn't be paying this money. And so none of us are going to buy AEW. I mean, I was surprised at the beginning that AEW was going to get interest from Mm -hmm. uh, bigger companies like Turner. I kind of thought if they wanted to have TV, I mean, we talked early on this show about like maybe it was going to have to be a streaming thing. You know, we just weren't sure about that sort of thing. But once the report started coming in that there was bidding from different companies and that it was going to be this huge deal, it seems to me just that the complete uh, divorce from reality that the TV networks have uh, was just going to continue in this space. And I, I really don't see any reason to believe at this point that that's not true.
3: Yeah, I'm just gonna ride with what I've been saying since the beginning and say, yeah, I've all the all the evidence is pointed toward Turner, um, so I'm gonna assume it's Turner and they're getting paid for it, like you should get paid on a TV deal.
1: Yeah, Nate's had Turner since uh, December, so okay, let's talk about some new talent coming into AEW, regardless of whether it's uh, going to be on Turner. Shima, Dragon Gate's own Shima, or I guess not in Dragon Gate anymore. Uh, Dragon Gate
2: Legend, I think we could couch in that term.
1: Shima has signed a full-time contract with AEW and will be facing Kenny Omega at Fighter Fest. So this is interesting from a a few perspectives. The first is that Shima would become Mm full-time with AEW. I think we all kind of expected it to be a here-and-there type thing. And then the second perspective I think is interesting is that they are going to do this really big match at the Fighter Fest show. So uh, either one of those that you want to start with, Mike, since you're our our Dragon Gate OW guy. (laughs)
2: Yeah. uh, Sound off. Oh, Let's just take the match first because that's an easier thing to talk about. This is a first-time match. Uh, It's interesting enough that Kenny Omega and Sheamus' career, in a lot of ways, kind of, I would say, rotated around each other in a way, even though they really didn't, just because... Dragon Gate had a relationship with DDT, Kenny's former home in Japan, before New Japan. And they ran a bunch of shows in 06 through 08, and that was before Kenny Omega got there. And then Shima went to PWG, won the battle of Los Angeles one year, and later Kenny Omega showed up there. So this is a first-time matchup, and this is a first-time matchup that, honestly, six months ago I never thought would ever happen. Like, even with what happened between the OWE and Dragon Gate relationship, I did not think that there would be a chance that we'd be seeing for the third big show or the second big show for All Elite Wrestling that the main event would be the uh, Dragon System a Cornerstone and Shima going against Kenny Omega. So that just blows my mind. And as as things are going, it's just one of those things that it shows how one, how the Bucks are paying back someone who really did start hit their career. Like Shima, as they said on Being the Elite, saw them at about Los Angeles, immediately hired them, for lack of better words, and got them trips that they basically, their whole entire career launched off of. Shima knew well enough to say, okay, you're a young, promising tag team. I want you all to second an assistant. The assistants to Masato Yoshino and Ruki Doi, which is the all-time most famous Dragon Gate tag team and considered like the best tag team in its history and that was really important from their development so from that whole match side this is all happening I think that's really cool but let's get into talking about the contract and the idea of Shima going full-time and there's been other things about him moving over from China to move to the States full-time because that's something that's kind of worth getting into and I know Dave Meltzer reported in the Observer last night that The idea is that sometime next year that Shimo will probably be in the United States full-time. And that would not surprise me, but that would have a pretty big change in what's happening with OWE and Dragon Gate International because he's the nominal head of it. He's been running shows in Japan this week. They sold out their first one. And initially, the sense I got out of this was in order to get a visa, and a new visa pretty much nowadays, as we saw through WrestleCon and dragon gate you have to show that you're working there full time so signing shima and assumingly if they're not to sign shima to this probably down the line there's had to be some contract of record for these owe and strong hearts kids that going will be full-time finger quote workers that's how you that's what you have to do to get a visa is to show oh they are when they're in the states they're being covered by this employer so there's a lot of questions here it'll be interesting to see where it goes on but at least for me i'm really stoked about it i mean shima is one of my sentimental favorite wrestlers, and the fact that he's facing Kenny Omega in a main event, and that just blows my mind.
1: Nate, were you surprised that they would run this big of a match for the Fighter Fest show? Um, uh,
3: yes, I guess I am. <laughs> okay. Uh, No, that's not right, right? It's not at Fighter Fest. It's at Fight for the Fallen.
1: Oh, uh,
2: yeah, it's Fight okay. for Fallen. Oh,
1: Fight, you're right.
3: I jacked yeah. up. Yeah, Fight for the Fallen. Um. Okay. Same question. <laughs> so no, because I guess I am. I guess I should not have been surprised, but I was still kind of surprised because it was not like a dream match that you know uh, announced itself in my mind when looking at the roster here. But also, it's a new promotion. They have to actually draw with drawing talent and drawing matches, and because it's like actually pro wrestling, so you have to have big matches on tops to get people to come out to these shows especially when you have two in the same state within a few weeks of each other and you're going to be limited in how many traveling fans are going to be going to either one of those. So uh, I guess I should not have been surprised, but uh, i like to see if, you know, Shima can still go at like a, a top main event singles level.
1: Yeah, the, the reaction to me was weird in that some people were saying, oh, we already knew that Shima was going to be full-time with AEW, but like we do this podcast, I didn't feel like I knew that. Uh, we all we all knew that Shima
3: too. was going to be involved, but the emphasis on full-time, I think, is what made it surprising to people. But that's another thing, like Mike said, that we probably should not be surprised by that language when that's the reality for anybody that's going to be coming over as international talent is they have to have some reliable promise of, like, quote-unquote, full-time employment.
1: Yeah, I guess it's possible that it's a work, right? That it's, like, building a case for immigration.
2: Right. Yes. It's also something that the assumption that he's gonna be over full time basically his responsibilities of OWE it are pretty he doesn't do a lot of the training first off like he does train when he's there, but there's a lot of schedule things he does and a lot of scouting. It just it would be surprising for me from a Dragon season perspective to see him just walk away from that job to just do wrestling because that's not been his kind of path and his motivations through time. like that's my other thing that kind of would surprise me about that. Sorry.
1: Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I was surprised to hear it. Based on, he was a guy, at least toward the end of his career, right? He's not twenty. Yeah, years old. no,
2: Shima turned forty a couple of years ago. He's been wrestling since ninety-seven.
1: Right, so it would be kind of interesting to to turn down what he's been doing. And my understanding, is he makes pretty good money doing what he's doing
2: incredibly and, good money
1: and i'm sure AEW would pay him well but just mm-hmm. to come over here into the united states and wrestle uh when he's not
2: been based here
3: he's doing it all for that uh hall of fame bid he's trying to get in
2: <laughs> oh god yeah I, I mean and also him moving full time over here he has family and it's a multicultural family that he'll be moving from i think they're now Bay i know part of his part of his family both of, i know his wife's from greece his Daughter, I believe, lives in Greece part time and then also lives in Shanghai. So it'd be a huge thing to have him move over here full time. But yeah, let's go. Let's pump up his Hall of Fame case because he's somewhat responsible now for a potential sellout in the States of over 5,000 tickets.
1: (laughs) I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. All right. Darby Allen is also joining the AEW roster, which we'll uh, talk about how we kind of found that out a little bit later this one i'm confident i'm correct about he's gonna face cody rhodes at fighter fest so that that is a match that's announced for the ceo x aew show in daytona beach on june 29 so nate i know you're a big darby fan uh, this was kind of expected but it was still up in the air that he might go to wwe but what do you think about darby coming to AEW?
3: uh darby rules darby's the fucking man i love darby um if you listen to any aw show or evolved show in the chicagoland area on which darby has had a match in the last few years you can hear me screaming darby extremely you know obnoxiously and repeatedly during the show (laughs) um this is very good because um he would be probably the most misused talent in the wwe like obviously being the uh, degree of talented that he is he should be on a major league level he should be on a uh, WWE New Japan AEW level so um, this is a, a relief that he's not the WWE basically um, but yeah I'm interested to see what they do with him because he's got his own sort of vibe and and so far on these uh, you know Road 2 videos and stuff they've been pretty good about um, being faithful to people's characters on the Indies and stuff
1: and they're pushing him fast I mean his first match is with Cody so I feel like that's a good sign of where he's going
3: yeah I think so um I yeah it's another like match where it's like oh yeah I guess I never really thought about seeing that match but it makes sense <laughs> that they would book it now that they're in the same promotion I guess it's sort of like the you know it's sort of hard to conceptualize it being a real promotion before the matches happen here um, But yeah, you know, maybe they uh, encountered each other at that Northeast Wrestling promotion because I know Darby's like a pushed guy there. Um, But yeah, it should be fun.
1: It's really starting to round out to where it's like, oh, this can have really good matches and uh, really good stories if they want. There's a a lot of talent here that's worth tuning in to watch. Okay, the other talent that we know is going to be added, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. is going to be in the -the over-the-budget Battle Royal. And there's some more talk about him uh, that we'll get to later. This isn't new talent, but in a fightful interview, Joey Janela said that he had a three-year contract, which I think basically everyone has said they have a three-year contract and that his contract starts on May 1, but that AEW is already paying contracted talent. He didn't say it that explicitly. He basically said talent was already being taken care of, Mm -hmm. but I took that to mean they were getting some sort of paycheck.
3: Well, and also Chuck Taylor made a tweet about how he buys nicer bourbon or whatever. Now that he actually makes money, so yeah, it, you know, if if they're not getting money back on TV, they're already spending money on everything else.
1: So yeah, that makes it even harder to uh, harder to believe. And I I just think about like you think they signed up Chris Jericho and told Chris, hey, we're gonna do a pay for play to get on TV. It's just hard to believe. Anyway.
3: Yeah, it is.
2: Any of these guys that, or any of these people that they've signed, really? I mean, yeah, Jim Ross. Yeah, Jim Ross. I mean, Kenny Omega come over here and do this and right. having a deal on the table that probably is going to be more at least up front in WWE than AEW. It's just wild. Really? You
1: even think about a guy like Hangman Page who was reportedly being offered like a ton of money. Right. From, from WWE you know to go be on tv you mm-hmm. know? so uh and it's like well we're only going to get on tv if we pay uh, i don't know hard to believe but we'll see how that plays out
3: so here are the current entrants um now that brian pillman jr has been added to the over the budget battle royal awesome we believe they are sunny kiss kip sabian brandon Cutler, ace romero glacier brian pillman jr sunny days MJF, and we can probably conclude that Janelle is going to be in the Battle Royal. They have not made another match for him, but he has been sort of bu- building his feud from, with MJF since that first press conference.
1: That makes sense. And it was like a safe play for his injury. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. The We referenced this a little bit earlier, but Fight for the Fallen tickets, uh, the pre sale started today, right? Uh, we're recording <laughs> this on Thursday. So those are on sale. Hard to tell. We don't know how many they offered on the presale. Uh, Mike did count like he said and saw 134 still available, but we don't know how many resales that includes. We really don't know anything. So we don't know how successful it's been. But we do know that there aren't a you know, a ton of the allotment that they offered up that are still sitting there. So it looks like it's had some measure of success, but it definitely hasn't sold out yet. So
3: it seems part. like the ones that are sitting there are maybe super pricey VIP packages or like Ticketmaster you know, resale gimmicks where they, you know, try to scalp tickets immediately back to you. Um, but yeah, I, hard to really judge, but it does not seem like it's been an embarrassment. So that's you know, a positive.
1: Yeah, especially when, as you said earlier, Nate, we got two Florida shows uh, very close to each other, not really for a flyout crowd. So if they, if they are selling out all these shows, then you're going to really start to feel good about uh, the future of the company, but we'll see. All right, let's get into the Road to Double or Nothing episodes that we've missed. Uh, last week, we recorded on Thursday, and they didn't drop till Friday. So this one's a little bit older, and then we'll get into the one that just dropped a couple of days ago. Starting with Road to Double or Nothing 11, we begin with Glacier sitting in Cody's office. As Nate mentioned, Glacier is going to be in the over-the-budget Battle Royal, and they are talking about that in Cody's office. Uh, Glacier says that most Battle Royals are bad, which is true. Uh, but then he's talking about, you know, he puts over the all in battle royal, which I agree with was very good. And then he's also putting over Brian Pillman Jr. And I really enjoyed this where Cody, not all that, uh, I'm really losing a lot of words tonight. I'm having,
3: having some, not trouble. with a lot, he did not have a lot of confidence.
1: No. And he just said, he's good, right? <laughs> right. It was like, it was like a
3: statement, but it was like a question, but a phrase is a statement. So you can definitely project some, uh, uh, uncertainty onto it
1: yeah I, I wasn't sure if it was just like he hasn't really seen him so he just wasn't sure but
2: Glacier looked good yeah he did for a guy of his age considering like he was already older when he was Glacier and WCW you know he's looking pretty good for himself I, I'm excited to see Glacier in a battle royal
1: I'm okay Man, I loved seeing Glacier at the first spring break oh, yeah.
3: yeah oh yeah that was a treat he came over to our corner and was you know jawjacking about these kids doing all this crazy shit inside the <laughs> ring while we were just you know sitting there laughing our asses off. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny. there's like a I'm kind of of two minds on this. Like on one hand, you kind of like seeing the bucks, you know, take care of a guy who took care of them on their way up, like Shima or Kenny Omega taking care of Michael Nakazawa because Michael Nakazawa took care of him in Japan. And Cody obviously has all these like uh relationships from his father and from the Atlanta area, and it's, you know, kind of cool, kind of cute to see him take care of those guys now that he's in a more powerful position. Um, But I guess you sort of have to, there there is a threshold at which that becomes not as cool and as cute. I'm not sure where it is, but there is a point at which you're like, okay, you know, we want to see guys who deserve to be in the spot they're in rather than guys you're taking care of because, you know, they're your buddy and they were good to you.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, And I'm also starting to feel that but i don't think they're there yet as long as Glacier's just in the battle royal that's that's fine i don't want to see glacier as like a pushed commodity you know (laughs) no (laughs) and i
3: i don't think like they really did it very well at all in so i'm not that worried about it but you know and it's even like like triple h like taking care of william regal because william regal took care of him back in the day it's like the same thing but You know, at some level it becomes Triple H taking care of uh, Terry Taylor or whoever, you know what I mean?
1: Right, right. There's diminishing returns at some point. I agree. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Hopefully there's a a lot of time for us to uh, see if they do this the right way or a crappy way. Yeah. They close this segment with Cody wanting Glacier's advice on how to deal with Jericho. He talks about how, you know, they have some disagreements and Jericho wanting an, uh, an apology from AEW and wanting to take all the credit for basically everything that's happened. And Glacier suggests that Cody bring Jericho into the office for a one-on-one discussion. So I guess we're going to presumably see either that or Chris Jericho refusing to do that in a future episode. We get a feature on Kylie Ray. Did I hear this right? She says she's only been wrestling for three years. I believe that's correct. Uh, She trained for two years before that. She's pretty good to be that, That's short of a time in the business, I would say. She uh, puts over AEW as bringing a different option to the wrestling world. You know, without saying it, basically says everybody doesn't have to go to WWE now. So uh, that's nice. And just kind of talks about Nyla Rose and Britt Baker and does a really good job of setting up for the match, but also talking about the positives that Nyla and Britt both bring and making them seem like, Uh, you know, valuable competitors. And uh, I thought this was a a good way to not only continue to humanize Kylie, but to get people more interested in uh, the match that's going to be set for double or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go ahead.
3: Okay. I was just going to say that they're doing better on the humanizing stuff here. I think than they are on building this particular match. Like the, the Britt Baker promo on the match was um, pretty good on the, on the other episode, but it, it, It seems like they're sort of justifying and building the match after making it rather than the actual issue there being, you know, driving the action forward, I guess.
2: Yeah, I'd say that's fair. It it does feel like that that was a match that was set up, and then now they're doing the promos that normally would set up to it. I was kind of taken aback by how good Kylie was in front of a microphone doing this kind of promo. It's it's a different kind of thing that I imagine that she has done before, especially around the Chicagoland area, and I thought she – I don't want to say that she was a complete natural out of it or natural here, but she was really good here. I was kind of taking it back by how good she was in front of a camera and like this mm-hmm. kind of sit down interview. So I thought that was really, I thought that was really kind of cool to see that it does feel like they might have something really with Kylie Ray. So yeah,
3: you, you don't, you don't have to shy away from saying it. Cause that's like her whole appeal is just, she seems extremely natural and genuine yeah. and clear and, and likable. That's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the act. It's, it's
1: a good act.
2: Well, it, I mean, it's a, it's an act that you've, like, seen her in the ring, but now she's able to carry that over to, like, interviews. and. Oh, like yeah. That. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. After Kylie is gone, we see, see – and now I, I got so used to calling him QT Marshall, which we decided to stop calling him. Is it Quillari?
3: Well, you, I think Cody called him QT in this segment, didn't he? Damn it, Cody. <laughs> in one of these segments, Cody called him QT. Uh,
1: all right. Well, I don't know what I'm going to call him. But is it Quillari? Is that how you pronounce it? We didn't decide. Okay, we don't know. I'll call him QT. And he's reading the Cody Kids book that has come out recently. There's a checklist on a whiteboard behind him, which uh friend of the show, whether he knows it or not, Chris James 2, took a screenshot of, and it shows us that it says, Fight for the Fallen ticket dates, social media, and then in parentheses, Jimmy Havoc, and then Bob Rosen, 20 by 20. And uh, Chris James noted on this that Bob Rosen was the former ring builder slash transportation manager for TNA, was there between 2004 and 2017. And the 20 by 20 would seem to reference that they're going to use a 20 by 20 ring. So it adds to that they are finding for every aspect of the promotion, finding people who have done it on a decently big level. So I think that's important. And it's going to be interesting if they go for the I guess it makes sense to go to 20 by 20 ring. A lot of them, at least the main guys have worked in WWE and new Japan. So that makes sense. Uh, I guess I don't really care about the size of the ring, but I'm glad that they are using people who know what they're doing, I guess.
3: Yeah. And now uh, I think I want to throw this in here. Cause I don't think we had another spot for it on our rundown here that they added the uh, TNA production guy. We don't have his name on hand. Do we?
1: No. it's the
3: the same guy that we had that Mike had said was at the Vegas press conference is now full time with AEW and his left impact. Uh, and it, from what we hear, it has, has seemed to be a well regarded guy in that company. And impact has always done a remarkable job of um, maximizing their crowds and their arenas for television. So if he's handling that sort of stuff for production, then that probably bodes well.
2: Off the top of my head, I believe his name is Keith Mitchell.
3: Uh, that sounds right, okay. Keith M. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I as long as it's not the silly ring that MLW had in Philadelphia for their show, where it looked like they're wrestling in a twelve by twelve. I honestly, you know, don't care. But I think having Keith Mitchell, that's some, that's one of those people that you really should have on hand when you're building out a wrestling company. So I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah. I I thought I I always like how QT has become like one of my favorite, like background characters in all the programming that they've done. I always like watching QT Marshall and, and and, I'm sorry, Michael Collari and how he's just kind of going about his day and he gets bothered a lot and he wants to be eating an apple and not traveling and gets mad about not being able to wear jeans when Cody can. I mean, very reasonable person.
1: I know that Keith Mitchell is right because when you said it, I thought of the sinister minister, which is exactly what I thought of whenever it was said in like the the DM or whatever. <laughs> <I keep thinking laughs> okay, of okay, it's coming to a W mm-hmm. Not the same Mitchell.
3: Yeah, QT Q- Q- is like the Mark Brandanowitz character on this office cool. comedy show. Um, I mean, he, obviously, Mark Brandanowitz one of the all time great comedy characters. So he's not quite up to that level. Tj Hawk joining us on the show. Hey, that's how me and Tj first connected. No <laughs> lie.
1: Uh, he's also like, apparently he seems pretty important to the promotion or, you know, pretty high up. Yeah. He's always kind of right in the middle of, uh, big things that are going on. I don't know what to think of social media parentheses, Jimmy Havoc. Certainly Jimmy Havoc not running social media, right?
3: <laughs> Maybe they need to, uh, sit Jimmy down and have a talk about his social media or something.
1: <laughs> Maybe I don't follow him. So I don't know if he's problematic on, on Twitter.
3: No, I'm not. I'm sure not problematic. Just, you know, uh, Uh, maybe in people's mentions defending himself or something like that i'm totally like guessing but
1: sure i don't Mm -hmm. think he's done anything to get himself canceled certainly (laughs) (laughs) thank god uh then we hear cody telling qt that he's going to send him quote to the middle of nowhere uh, but also the heartland for a major talent acquisition which we will get back to later and qt gives cody shit for wearing jeans on on friday and we get this little segment on the the kids' books, I guess all the elite are going to do kids' books. I don't know. I don't care about kids' books, so I don't have much to say about it. It's a that. great
3: hustle. I was tweeting about this the other day. Kids' That's books true. are a tremendous hustle, unless you're the mayor of Baltimore who made way too many fucking kids' books. Um, but you know, it's like Cole Cabana, I think, pioneered this hustle on the wrestling scene because it almost seems charitable to do a kid's book. Like it almost seems like you're doing an act of good for society. But you're, you know, it, it's a to a book for the kids I don't know it's like you know the parents like the young bucks so they're going to buy the young bucks kids book for their kids and the kids are going to like whatever they tell them see I, be. you
2: see I imagine I have friends now who have younger kids so like bringing presents for them being like oh it's your birthday I got you a kids book and they're like oh you got my old kids book oh no I got I brought you the Colt Cabana kids book about Colt Cabana doing I don't know doing his podcast in his apartment like at that time, that that's when I'm like, okay, it just seems like a, a very wrestler wrestling fan versus normie thing in a way.
1: I feel like Colt Clebetta is just like a legend. Oh, he's a hustle legend. He's an icon. Yeah. I mean, the guy has taken a career that could have ended long ago. Sure. And really extended it and made himself a lot of money, I'm guessing, uh, from just coming up with stuff to do. I mean, it's just, it's, it's
2: brilliant. Well, he kind I of pione- he kind of pioneered the whole uh, indie table, like not just trying to like get people's money for an eight by ten and doing t-shirts in a lot of ways. Like back, like in like 06, 07, he was out there doing the hustle. So I mean, he's kind of really realized that. I think he has percentage in for wrestling, wrestling. Tees, Yeah,
3: yeah. The so Bucks maybe- have definitely cited him both on the like indie table having t-shirts having a bunch of t-shirt designs and stuff like that set up as well as the social media promotion the podcast promotion all that other stuff so and then yeah between that and like literally him and punk um doing a oh what was it did punk break somebody's arm and they did a dusty Rhodes parody shirt that was printed by pro wrestling tees that's what it was i can't remember what the angle was on ww tv but that really launched pro wrestling tees which directly feeds into like the indie boom and guys being able to make a decent living on the indie level. So it really all sort of comes together into AEW now that a billionaire has swooped in and decided to like kick it up a notch. Um, but yeah, that's like the Colt is right there. Peressing Tees is right there. Um, and the, really the Young Bucks were it, just that next generation.
1: And now Colt somehow finds himself as a commentator for Ring of Honor. I mean, it's brilliant. Uh, and the, except-
3: uh, a big star on every Japanese promotion that he turns up in.
1: True. And it's kind of funny because WWE wanted to turn him into a commentator, and he didn't want to do that. And But now it's what he's doing, so it's fun.
2: What a worker.
3: What a worker. What a worker award.
1: Yes. Didn't we get a feature on Nyla Rose? This was not that great, I thought. It was just like a run-of-the-mill pro wrestling promo. I wasn't that excited about it.
3: Pretty fine promo. Um, you know, look professional. But yeah. The way
1: the way they cut into it really made it seem
3: like the second uh the the, the second most important thing here.
1: Oh yeah. And we got to cut in with Darby. Here comes Darby Allen. This is the way that it was announced that he was Darby. joining AEW. And Darby is in classic Darby fashion spray painting his car. He spray paints relentless on his car. And then nicer car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And then he is on a skateboard. He just kind of runs up his car and over it. And uh, then we see him uh, striking a match. He throws out and they have a very nice uh, computerized AEW on fire. So I thought this was cool and stuck with like the Darby ethos.
3: Yeah. The continuity to his evolve car painting days popped me big. Um, And there, there's a longer cut on his Twitter of his promo here, and the longer cut is better. So, if you haven't seen, I mean, it's not much longer, but it does does flow a little bit better and, and has some more meat to it. All right. That takes
1: us. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mike.
2: I was going to say, I'm just sad that we didn't see any uh, gym bathroom chicken. I feel like we need to complete the circle with them. You Man, know?
1: If, if you haven't seen the old uh, mini docs that were Darby's from the Evolve days, they're all excellent. Uh, so you should check those out
3: first mini doc uh, reference on the new show here
1: i know very strange uh very strange but they're all good well not all i mean yes all the mini docs are good but the darby ones are especially good okay road to double or nothing episode 12 which just came out this week uh first we have joey janela he's saying people are asking if he's going to be 100 percent for double or nothing he says i'm 100 percent now And also, he doesn't care if he dies in a wrestling ring, because that would make him a legend.
3: (laughs) That's what I'm talking about with the continuity from their established characters, and what I respect about what they're doing here, because you know you couldn't say that shit on an NXT promo. Like, they wouldn't do it, because they've killed too many wrestlers in the WWE. So, it's just, I mean, that's the truth of what the Joey Janela character is, is that he's, you know, fascinated and obsessed with these legends, these, you know, Onidas and Sasuke's, et cetera, et cetera. So, him smoking a cigarette and saying this shit is just perfect on brand. Love it.
1: Yes, this was good. We see Cody at DDP Yoga with Dylan Freimer, I believe, uh, who is the Road to Double or Nothing editor and apparently also does a lot of editing work for DDP Yoga. That's my understanding. Turns out that he's also an indie wrestler called Sunny Days. And Cody invites him to be in the -the over-the-budget Battle Royal, which is very cool. And then we get a nice little piece on this guy. Turns out that he has really struggled with some mental health issues and was starting to do better. And that's, you know, gone along with his uh, wrestling career and with having some success with the editing. And so this is just like a huge moment for him of being invited to this battle royal. And we also see that Cody and Brandy's nutritionist is going to be helping him uh, with getting in a little better shape.
3: Yeah, this was uh, excellent. This was tremendous. Um, Like immediately identified with Dylan and saw him as like a actual living human with dreams and disappointments and heartbreaks. And now he kind of gets to live out one of his dreams thanks to the insane magic of pro wrestling that was fucking dope um I my my kind of thing I don't I'm not gonna say that part okay the other thing was I wonder if he had to edit this himself and put in his own footage of uh, him <laughs> crying on the phone and stuff that'd be I imagine that would be awkward
2: yeah I I, I think that's just really cool like they had DVP on talking about it and it was like a very sincere moment it was very nice and i'm glad that we that like someone like that who's obviously very talented i mean we've been lauding the uh, road to double nothings as being some of the better produced stuff out there showing like the other side of him and another side of someone who i guess I, i'm willing to assume would probably be a part of the company at least from my production standpoint so that's really cool i thought it was really sweet i liked it a lot yeah this was very good
1: we see brandy on the phone with Allie. She announces that it's going to be Brandy versus Allie at Fight for the Fallen. And there's still like some some play to their issues that they had an impact while they're on the phone. And then after Brandy hangs up, she calls someone else and asks if they can be in Jacksonville on July 13 for, quote, that personal thing. But then tells the camera person not to put that in the episode. So the interesting thing to me about this was that they use Road to Double or Nothing to announce Brandy versus Allie for this show. And then just dropped Shima versus Kenny on Twitter.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I guess Brandy Versali needs the build, whereas Shima versus Kenny doesn't need a build. Maybe that's the thinking there. That's Um, fair. But yeah, the other thing I like about these vlogs in general is that they pretty much continually have forward momentum with building intrigue. There's always like a new question. Even they give you the payoffs, but then there's always a new question of oh, you know, who's Brandy calling now? That might be involved. So that's good. I think. Um, the match, I don't know what happened between them and impact. So I'm not particularly involved in whatever their personal issue is. Um, But yeah, you know, I like Allie. um, So I'm interested to see her versus Brandy.
2: If they need someone to do any of the, uh, the lead up to Kenny versus Shima, give me a call. I could probably do all this for you. Just, I'm willing to be a talking head. We've always been open about willing to be sellouts, but yeah, I like how they kind of phrase this and, how they did it i mean i know that there's some stuff with brandy and ali and i guess i'm willing to kind of like take a guess that maybe rosemary is going to show up or something i mean who knows with this i don't know who her contract thing is but i think it's smart how they've really used like these two different things as ways to launch the uh, promotion and especially how they're building things up so i think it's interesting
1: We'll have Garrett Kidney on to break down the full Brandy versus Allie story. Oh, absolutely.
2: Let's get Garrett out here. (laughs) Let's go.
1: We see MJF. He says he's going to be in the Battle Royal and that he's going to win because he's going to try to win rather than to impress. Just a general uh, MJF promo here, which I thought was pretty good.
3: Yeah, very good. Like, oh, here's what an old school heel would actually do in the modern environment where people are doing dives in a Battle Royal. Yeah. One One of his better
1: segments, I thought. I agree. The probably the best one that I've seen, at least in since we've been
2: doing the podcast for sure. He's good at his character. MJF is good. I mean, he that's got cool it. MJF, but he, yeah,
3: but yeah, so. this is better, I think, than him and Brandy like yelling at each other. Okay, that's that doesn't fair. work as much for me.
2: That that that's fair. I'm just saying like MJF is good at cutting these kind of promos and this kind of showed it.
1: We see a person named Anthony Ogogo. Ogogo something like that. He is a professional boxer and was an Olympic bronze medalist. He is in the ring doing some training with QT and with Cody. This is interesting because we get a focus on him talking about his boxing career and then the potential transition into pro wrestling. Cody talking about working out with him to try to uh, get a sense of whether he might succeed as a pro wrestler. But the most intriguing part to me was that they say specifically that he's not part of AEW yet. So it's interesting that they would spend this time focusing on him, even though he's not contracted. It's also interesting to me that someone who's coming from that sports background would even do this when it probably hurts them from trying to go the WWE route. So just Uh, all around intriguing to me.
3: Might help them about the WWE route because they want to sign people away right
1: yeah but they're kind of petty you know that's kind of my thought of like eh, you're already in bed with them so i
3: think that's sort of the, maybe the old thinking that um I, I don't know i would think you know like penelope it had like a nxt tryout and then was on aw prep for their press conference like you know within a month or something i guess then, that's not, that's not the best metaphor no because yeah she went to AEW instead um but yeah no i mean the uh, We've been led to believe that having a W interest has gotten guys bigger contracts instead of the contrary. So true. Um, yeah. This was a note from Dave and the observer was that he was trained by Ricky Knight and has done one match for his group. Oh, is yeah. that Soraya Knight's spouse?
2: Yes, that is Soraya Knight's spouse and pages dad played by Nick Frost and fighting with my family. And and they do apparently a lot of like local athletes up in Norwich So I'm not surprised that he ended up there.
1: And then the last segment on this episode, we see QT driving down a dirt road. He then walks up a driveway, knocks on a door. It looks like we're on a ranch of some sort. And then as the door opens, we get a fade to black, and the screen says, to be continued this weekend.
3: So tomorrow, Saturday, the, the second road to double or nothing of this week, we're expecting. And uh, a lot of speculation that this was gold dust, unpaved driveway right off the top.
1: Although I heard from a reputable source that gold dust does not have an unpaved driveway.
3: This is what we're told.
1: So that's uh, it's, it's tough. I'm not sure but, if that's
3: on the record or off the record, but
1: uh, I can't remember. But <laughs>
3: <laughs> you got to get this stuff straight. You're going to have people yell at you again.
1: Yeah, it's happened to me in the past. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, but what I do know is that, well, I think Goldust lives in Texas, right? So that that would work with uh, Cody saying it's the heartland, I suppose. Would we call?
3: I wouldn't. Texas but I think, the heartland in the middle of nowhere? I don't know that we would.
1: I mean, there's certainly parts of Texas that would be the middle of nowhere. I right? don't think Texas is the heartland.
2: Yeah, as the resident Texan on this show. Texas is its own entity. It's not the heartland. If you want to say yeah. it's Southern Great Plains, then I can see the argument and disagree. But there is a lot of Texas out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you get 30 minutes outside of Dallas-Fort Worth and it's all just ranch land. So, But what else is – where could this person be? Who is this person? There's a lot of people in wrestling who have ranches. I, I, have, I have my personal idea. The
3: Brock, Brock has a ranch. Rhonda has a ranch. Uh, Sean had a ranch, but had to sell his ranch and go work for Hunter.
2: Does mm-hmm. uh, um, Stone Cold sell his
1: ranch?
3: Stone Cold has a ranch, uh, but I didn't see any broken skulls there on the fence.
1: Right. They were very clear that this was a major talent. So, yeah, uh, if it's
3: a major talent, do you send QT? Because Cody went to pick up Jim.
1: I mean, sure, but if it's Gold
2: Dust, Cody's not going to go because they're playing up that whole thing, right? Yeah. yeah,
3: I mean, it seems like it's probably Gold Dust.
2: I mean, it, it does kind of seem like that. I mean, also the idea of of that he sent QT maybe because this is the person that Brandy did not want him to do this with. So okay. I could play that up as well. I don't know. I, I'm i still kind of holding out hope that somehow it's Goldberg. I feel like yeah. Goldberg would be awesome here.
1: I looked up. Uh, I literally Googled where does Goldberg live? <laughs> true <Atlanta. laughs> story. Got to be Atlanta. It's not Atlanta. It's it's not Atlanta. He lives Antarctica, in, in Bonsall, California. Okay. Bonsall, how, that, that Cal,
3: California is definitely not the heartland. Yeah, right.
1: So when I saw that, I was like, okay. Are we talking but, about you know, these guys? The people that we're talking about, other than Goldust, are very wealthy people, mm-hmm. and could certainly have more than one home. Yeah. Right. right.
3: Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, is. If, in... if I was wealthy, I would not buy a ranch. That would be the last thing I would buy.
1: Yeah, oh, I'll imagine you're the type of person who is a pro, who is like a pro wrestler from the '90s. You know, different type of people. I suppose. Bonsall is in San Diego County, so yeah. definitely not the heartland.
2: Yeah. Hey, I, 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 I would buy a ranch if I could just get get away from humanity. I respect that.
3: If you're gonna get away from humanity, do it with some dignity in a shack in the woods, like the Unabomber.
2: <laughs> okay, that's a strong take. Yes. This podcast is pro Unabomber. Wow. I do not. Actually, I don't know how I feel about that stance. I'm just, yeah.
1: <laughs> Read the manifesto. I'm just, I'm just going to ignore it. Uh, quickly, since uh, Mike sent this over to me, a uh, friend of the show, Dave Meltzer, <laughs> posted on the board tonight at 529. But does that mean 829, 529 Pacific time?
2: Yeah, that's Pacific.
1: He, he writes, one hour is false time by is false. It's the exact opposite. Look at sports rights, Bellator, Matchroom, UFC on ESPN. People are offering tons of money, both for weekly live programming and also to get their streaming services starting. I'm sure he meant started. That's the reason this thing is starting this year. Thank you, Dave. One of the reasons the deal hasn't been signed yet is because of multiple bidders. That's the post. Could yeah, be and designed. that's what
3: Dave's been saying since the start. That's the only thing that makes sense, I think, and it, you know, uh, uh, comports with what our second source reported, as opposed to this rap guy. So, um, yeah. To be yeah, clear, yeah, that I, source
1: is not Dave Meltzer.
3: <laughs> correct. We should get screen caps of all the people that are, you know, doing their uh, their piling dirt on the grave tweets. were yeah. yeah. over, over the last two hours.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I did also see a, a funny tweet that someone that about this being a PSYOP and being me as a person who believes in a lot of PSYOPs, this could very well be a PSYOP. So, but yeah, Dave's sticking his neck out here, you know, I mean, we're really good about the info that he has. Yeah. I, I just, it's one of those things that we know who Dave talks to. So I always kind of take everything he says with a grain of salt, but just so many things. And of, of course, like the other people that we've talked to. Yeah. Maybe it's the zone.
1: It's just like if people had – if things had really gone sour, you know that the guys in AEW who talked to Dave would be like, hey, Dave, pump the brakes, or we're going to look really dumb. I don't know. Just my thought. Okay. Some other talent uh, notes. Nick Gage is signed up to do StarCast.
2: Yes. I might go early see Nick Gage.
1: I don't really know what that means. Like (laughs) – StarCast, it is just like a convention thing, right? Where there are some right. people just doing like autographs or whatever. Yeah. But does this mean that he's going to be like handed a live mic on a stage somewhere? I could hope.
3: No, I think it just means signings and like WrestleCon shit, right?
1: I think it's interesting one that StarCast thinks Nick Gage is like a, a draw. So,
3: yeah, that's the news here is that Nick Gage has now reached the level of like consciousness in the wrestling world that they're going to fly him to Vegas and announce him for their signing event. I think that's the cool thing about this.
1: For sure. Do we think it says anything about whether he could show up at AEW?
3: I don't think he fits. I mean, Nick Gage fucking owns. I don't think he works in AEW because I don't think they're going to do real death matches and that's where he shines. Um, so yeah, I think extremely unlikely unless uh, like maybe a like little guest running spot, but even then you'd have to do it in a specific sort of context to make it work for the normal people that you're trying to appeal to with this product. Right. Um, but yeah. And the other cool thing was that he uh, declared that Conrad is gang affiliated. So that's canon now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they would also have to pay for, for whom the bell tolls, and that's going to be a steep price. <laughs> so, because I can't see Nick gauge with that with any other fame, but I just think this is awesome. Like Nick gauge, like the last wrestling folk hero is now do is now, vaguely aew affiliated or at least Conrad is I think this is the coolest thing that Conrad Thompson's ever been in his life so it,
1: MDKK it's Conrad
2: uh. <laughs> uh, anyways let's talk about the other one
1: <laughs> Wow you really buried my my joke there yeah okay Luke Harper has requested his release from WWE there's no news on whether that release has been uh, provided or denied but we do know that he's trying to leave the company obviously maybe too obviously a good fit for a W in that he is uh, aligned with Mookie Ghana, AKA Chris Harrington.
3: Yeah. Former, uh, Wrestlingomics host Luke Harper.
1: Right? Yeah. That's canon as uh, proven by Mookie. Uh, so, but he is also like 39 and, uh, has been featured in WWE, which we know they're kind of staying away from a little bit. So I'm not sure it's as good a fit as, as everybody thinks it is. Uh, but it's
2: one that could be easily made. He's also a former Dragon Gate star, Brody hmm. Lee. Shima brought him over during the Dragon Gate USA days. That probably doesn't mean anything at all, but I think that's kind of funny.
1: There's It's another tie.
2: Yeah. It's a
3: small world. Um, yeah, the the Dave noted that he made the choice to ask for his release publicly. That seems to be the tactic that worked for Ty Dillinger and whoever else was released recently that I forget. Uh, Whereas the people like Mike and Maria and the revival that asked for their releases privately were not able to get those releases. So um, that was just an interesting point that, you know, if you make it a PR uh, inflection point for the WWE, maybe you'll have more success in getting out of the company. Um, But, yeah, I don't I don't really know if I care one way or the other to see him here. I kind of would rather see him in like New Japan.
1: The whole thing tracks though what you're saying about the PR thing and whether you request it openly or not because the the reporting from dave I, I believe was that the company doesn't want to release people because they don't want to be seen as having a lot of unhappy talent yeah but but if it's already public that the talent is unhappy, then what is there to lose? Mm-hmm. so I, I guess it makes sense I, I don't all, care
3: and it seems like all the talent is miserable.
2: <laughs> yes like everybody seems like hellscape yes
1: i don't care whether luke harper or brody lee shows up in AEW. he has definitely done things that i've enjoyed while he's been in wwe um and i've seen other stuff from before that that i've enjoyed but it just doesn't make a difference to me
3: yeah kind of in that box for me like a uh dolph ziggler or somebody where like you're there established at a level with them for a certain amount of time and you haven't already taken this step to try and escape that then i kind of already wrote you off
2: i'm going to take the other side i mm-hmm. he was awesome on the indies i got to see him a bunch both in chakara where he was probably one of the best guys at that time in chakara and in Drangate usa he is someone that has a, the size differences something that seems like they're looking for and he's had some experience with some of these people so I think that I think it'd be an interesting go. And, you know, of all people that have asked for their release from WWE, he's the one I'm most interested in.
1: Yeah. All fair points. All right. I'm not going to argue with you. All right. So quickly. Cause you know, I've publicly proclaimed, I would never listen to Jim Ross's podcast. I have lived by that. He did have Cody on this week. We assigned Mike to listen to the podcast who quickly Declined when he found that it was an hour and forty eight minutes. Can't blame him for that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I waste my time, but I value my time enough not to listen to an hour and forty eight minute podcast in one setting for research where I have to transcribe things. Yes,
1: but we do have some notes from it. So yep, just,
2: I gathered up some notes.
1: Just a couple things because I really don't want to spend much time on this. I did hear a little clip uh, on Instagram from his podcast. I think the AEW podcast or AEW Instagram account reposted it or whatever where he said he wants to do play-by-play for the duration of his three-year contract. That's obviously concerning. I hope that what he wants to do doesn't mean what he's going to do. The most interesting stuff from Cody's appearance on his podcast were, one, they said they have about 40 talents, nearly 40 talents, under some type of contract and that there is some talent that people uh, don't know yet and because they're waiting to push them out. There was some talk about going on what he called a quote Haas hunt, finding guys who are over 6'2, <laughs> which made me laugh. Uh, but certainly in today's wrestling landscape, that's, uh, that's pretty big. And I guess the other thing was mostly about that they don't want to look for that many ex WWE guys. Uh, he said right now, former WWE guys make up about 5% of the roster. Uh, but other than that, they mainly want to have people that, Um, that most fans aren't familiar with. So that's what I took away. That was interesting. Anything else that you guys thought was interesting or that you want to comment from those points? Yeah. I I got to talk about Jim Ross.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I really got nothing. I think that it's interesting how there was one quote about how he really wants to build up a new class of guys. And, you know, that's really exciting to me to know this. And I think that that's kind of the thing I was most looking forward to in this promotion, other than the dragon system involvement. So I'm, at least Cody's been consistent about that. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's cool with me. One more thing I want to get to before Nate breaks down being the elite. Uh friend of the show, Skeech101 on Twitter, has started up a project called Transcribing Elite. And you can find this project at patreon.com/slash transcribing elite. The point of this project is to transcribe, being the elite for people who are hearing impaired. So the point of the Patreon is just for people to donate to help him do that. He's going to provide the transcriptions to hearing impaired people free of charge. So don't think that this is a hustle on hearing impaired people. It instead is just trying to make sure that he can do this uh, because it does cost money to make these transcriptions. So he just wants to have enough money to be able to provide those free of charge to the people who need them. I think it's a worthwhile project and I would encourage everyone to go to the Patreon and uh, give a little, if you can, otherwise I would just encourage people to share this on your social media so that people can see it, know that it exists and uh, donate if they're able to. So that's it. Just wanted to shout that out. Uh, And now I believe it is time for Epitasis to break down BTE for us. All right. BT opens. We got Cody
3: meeting with the librarian, who in fact is here revealed to be, or the potential librarian, at Mr. Brixter, who was the guy that they buried when they watched his reality or his uh, his tryout tape the other week. Uh, we got a payday out of it. Got a payday out of it or something. We we learned, or I learned, that this is Ricky quote unquote Romance Perillo. He was on the VH1 reality show I Love New York. And now is maybe a wrestler. He's called himself the biggest babyface in pro wrestling. His actor shtick here was it's really annoying. He just does this weird laugh or something. I don't know what that was about. Uh, so Cody offers him a million dollars. We're back to the idea that you know they don't know how to run this business. Uh, QT says he can't do that, and Cody says, "Forget about QT." Um, Cody runs off QT by saying, "Hey, that's Chris Jericho over there." Uh, so then Cody bids against himself, ups it to $1.5 million. Scorpio Sky enters which and tells him to cool it. This causes Cody to, again, go up to $2 million. So now Cow shows up. He uh, tries to shut Cody down, says, uh, you know, you're throwing this crazy money around. Also, you need to clear this with the other 11 executive vice presidents. Uh, $2 million, that's like Christopher Daniels' money. That was a funny laugh line. Um, and then Kaz gives the librarian $20 to leave, but then as the librarian is turning to leave, Kaz grabs the money back. That was
2: cute. Funniest Kaz has been on this program in my books. I thought he was great here.
1: Yeah, I thought this was like the best SCU content for being the elite.
3: Uh, so now we've got the bucks, they're out in front of their house, or I think this is their house. It really does look like the desert, it does not look like a hospitable place to live.
2: Well, they live in Rancho Cucamonga.
3: Yeah, I mean, I say that when I just like poured snow two days ago but yeah uh so here's them talking about wanting to help guys that helped them on their way up uh shima gave them their big break when like uh we discussed he saw them at bola and pwg uh they also talk about uh, i have it as jimmy susumu because i always knew him as jimmy Susumu what's his non-jimmy name
2: his uh i can't say real name because he got his name forced into this Yokosuka. susumi yakosuka
3: susumi yakosuka uh, and they talk about uh, the Bucks wrestling him and Shima uh, for DG USA at the ECW arena. And, and they thought that match really put them on the map as like indie talents to watch. So here's where they specify that Shima is on a full-time contract. Uh, now I've got SCU. They're charging $1,000 for a four-shot, uh, $50 for a t-shirt or something crazy like that. Um, they're clearly just spending too much money on these with these new contracts they have. So now they're trying to big-time people with these prices. They turn and we have, I think Shark Boy says, man, those guys have changed. Uh, and then we have Joey at WrestleCon, Joey Ryan. Everyone is asking, what happened to the blonde girl? We get D'Lo Brown, uh, Tennille Dashwood, Mick Foley, Rosemary. Uh, Joey looks down at his merch table and there's like a stuffed Candice doll. He thinks it's talking to him, but it's actually Allie. And Allie's telling him, hey, you need to learn how to defend yourself because you keep getting bit at, beat up by people trying to get the Bucks attention. All right. Now we have Cody and Kaz and some third guy. They're at this cigar event in Nashville. They announced the presale for the fight for the fallen show. Uh, did not draw super great for their cigar show. No big yikes. Well, it's, I mean, it's a cigar show. So who's going to a cigar show?
2: <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass.
3: Um, all right. We've got MGF. He he's got a ref who he has an issue with. He tells him that he's too ugly for them to use an AEW. MJF tells him, as Cody's best friend, everyone thinks you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry. I missed the line here. Uh, (laughs) Sammy Guevara drops in. Sammy (laughs) Guevara drops in on MJF. He does not tell that to the poor referee. The referee walks off. So MJF tells Sammy Guevara, hey, you know everyone thinks you're a piece of shit, but I'm Cody's best friend, so I'm going to put in a good word for you. He hugs him and does the very elementary school classic bit of putting a rude sign on his back it says pandas are dumb and I'm poor. (laughs) I think the and I'm poor is what like pushes it over to inspire. Like it's not just enough that pandas are dumb. Uh we get Darby. Darby enters MJF goes to the same thing.
1: Just to be clear.
3: Noted on the record. Um, MJF goes to do the same thing to Darby with a sign but Darby immediately sniffs out his plan. Um, He starts eating the sheet of paper instead. It's just that's quality Darby content like right there. So MJF flees. He has to go take a shit.
2: Good segment. I thought, I thought that it was kind of funny how Darby is just being Darby. And as the high person on MJF, I thought this was a proper use of MJF. And I wonder what the big ending is going to be with Sammy Guevara. Like this is, I, I found this segment pretty interesting. So,
1: yeah. It's all, it also reminded me that while Darby is great, when he just gets to be himself in like his uh, mini docs or in the thing he was doing on uh, the road to double or nothing, he's not a very good promo. Like if you just hand him a mic and a ring, that's not his strength. And you could kind of, that kind of came across a little in this segment of like him saying his lines. I was like, Oh, this sounds like Darby with a, with a mic and a ring. This is why he
3: would, I mean, this is, this bit was fine. I think if it was in WWE, Darby would be doing nothing but act, thing in cute little backstage skits. So that's would be bad. Probably <laughs> yeah, not his strength here either. Yeah. More no. enjoy the the sort of mini doc presentation of him. Yeah. All right. So we've got Matt Jackson. He's next to the next to a piano behind a curtain. Uh, there's just weird sets in this episode <laughs> wherever, where everyone happened to be. Uh, Matt is stressed out once again over Michael Nakazawa. Chris Daniels approaches to give him a pep talk. I think Matt said here that he turned down a million dollars from the WWE, so he's blackballed. And they he did bleep, say that. He bleeped that out. Uh, so that's funny. Um, so Matt is also stressed about the librarian, and then he tries to shove that responsibility off on Chris Daniels because Chris Daniels is the talent relations guy, possibly an executive vice president of talent relations, possibly some uh, lesser title of talent relations. Not, not totally clear on that. Uh, so they start getting heated and we have the uh, reappearance of pretty peter avalon he returns and uh he wants to quiet them down so he does a giant shh, then shushes them uh and they presented this pretty funnily i thought because they put it in slow motion then they had chris daniels and matt jackson selling this shushing like it was the greatest thing they'd ever seen um So this is obviously, oh, wow, wow. We found the perfect guy to be the librarian because of this otherworldly shushing ability. So they have Peter Avalon turns and does like a slow-mo walk away like a badass with a fat
2: beat by Papa Buck. And his hair flowing. Also,
1: Aaron was right, Folder. I said they were just going to pick one of their friends to be the librarian. (laughs) And that all of these videos would be for naught. And I wonder if uh, anybody's pissed off about that. Hard to say. Oh, my I have a Papa Buck point real quick. Whenever the song drops at the start of the Being the Elite episodes, I always it always pops me when I realize that it's actually earnest and not a joke. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, this rules so much that Papa Buck yeah. like is really into this. Yeah. That's all. It's
3: good. All right. So then we've got the young bucks. They're looking at a phone discussing more tag teams for their tag team division. They mentioned getting one from the East Coast. Um, Matt says, yeah, I've been watching them. Grab them. Uh, Reasonably sure that this is private party. The uh, tag team aces of the hot rising promotion House of Glory. Um, Matt made a tweet about, you know, keeping his eye on them uh, within the last few months, which I think we pointed out
1: on the Twitter. Sign Smiley. (laughs) Sign Kai. Sign Juba. Juba. (laughs) Wait, no. Sign... um... He's really big.
2: Mm. A oh, big yeah.
1: Bruce. Now, what was the guy? He's really big.
3: No, he didn't. He didn't oh, have it. Sold you? Yeah, I yeah, sold guys. him on the street. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I was like, "Hey, you're the really big guy." And he's like, mm.
2: oh, "Okay." So people have a frame of reference. We're talking about a guy who might be Bentley size. Who does a no?
3: He's much smaller than I am. Right. He Bullshit was Bentley. Bentley was taller than him on the street. Yeah.
2: Okay. Sorry. I mean, five two. Yeah, as a fellow short person, I should not insult other short people. Like, I'm tall. Yeah. yeah. but
3: like, Just, just it, for the lore, I want to get that
2: out there. Right. He <laughs> basically has like a Crash Holly kind of gimmick. And we we saw him on the street, and he no sold Aaron Bentley like a jerk. Yeah.
3: It was fine.
1: Yeah. Anyway, uh, sign him. That's all I'm
3: saying. Um, so, no, the Private Party is actually good. Uh, so then they're looking at another one. They discuss that it's one of their greatest rivals. Uh, and Matt's like, no, nah, man, this is our hands are already full. We've got running the company, we've got the Lucha Brothers. But Nick, being the uh, straight shooter as always, he says, no, you know, if we're really the best tag team, then we'd get them and prove it. Um, so they walk away and we see a very brief glimpse of the phone. It looks like it's the Super Smash Brothers, uh, in particular, player Uno, Evil Uno, the one with the, the larger guy with the bigger mask is more prominent e- here, I think. But
2: yeah, Evil Uno.
3: Yeah, so um, they, they, they seem to be inbound. Uh, so there is another team where they would have to get a, a visa situation sorted and have full-time employment. Uh, I will say, just from our tweets on this, the Super Smash Brothers got like some of the biggest positive reactions that we've had about any sort of uh, AEW announcement. People were like fucking fired up for the Super Smash Brothers, uh, you know, escaping Canada.
2: Yeah, they yeah, agree. we got a ton of engagement on that. Yeah, Super Smash Brothers are awesome. Like in the the wood, they got done dirty by visas. So I'd be down for seeing them. I mean, I can't remember like the last time other than like in Canadian. And I think they did. Uno has done a couple stops back in the United States, but I'd be really stoked to see what all happens with them. I hope they get signed.
1: I have a big news update, folks. Oh, Meltzer said what? (laughs) (laughs) Tweeted the screenshot of Dave's post on the board. Tony Maglio quote tweeted the Meltzer said what tweet.
3: Okay, so we've he's got an alignment. He's got a he's,
2: yeah. got a he's got an agenda. Yes. He's on the evil side of the force.
1: And he said, Oh, this is about me. Never said AEW show would be one hour. Said one hour makes more sense than three when asked if it'd be a three hour show. We all assume two. Dave also apparently made a thing out of me reporting that a source on Turner, on Turner Talks said not doing 52 weeks is a possibility. Tony is still posting, folks, and he just tweeted, you know who has also said an offseason is a, quote, possibility? AEW. Many things are possible when a deal is not signed. I've also said multiple times an off-season would be problematic, and my personal opinion is that it'll be 52 weeks a year. Job is to report what told by sources.
3: Okay, that's fine, you know. The very suspect behavior in uh, addressing the uh, extremely bad Meltzer said what account. Um, but yeah, you know, whatever he's going to, that sounds like a pretty standard defense of the article you wrote or rather the interview you gave.
1: He also doesn't address the main point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The you...
3: main point is the pay. It's right. also curious. Uh, now, now I feel like I'm almost coming down on this guy too hard. It's weird. If you have information like that to, Put it in an interview you give to another website instead of reporting it.
1: Yep. Four one one of all places. Right. I it, mean,
3: no, uh, no disrespect to
1: friend of the show TJ Hawk. No, God no. Or it, or Larry Zonka for that. Yeah. For that
2: matter. I he's sounding kind of sus if you ask me, but it's a developing story. It'll be developing for a while. I feel like because he's never going to stop posting apparently.
3: Now I yeah, think now, we definitely took like, like an. an, an guy. Now he took like an anti-him position, which is like maybe too on the nose for a podcast about AEW. Yeah,
1: maybe. Yeah, <laughs> but that's fair.
3: Should, yeah, it's well. I'm gonna walk something back here yeah, once yeah. I
1: figure out what it is. Yeah, I'm, just so, I'm just so tired here. of like the discourse around Dave Meltzer. Yeah, it's unbearable. That like him coming out as like an anti-Dave guy now just makes me very sour toward him
3: immediately puts I, I, him in a class with the
2: worst posters on the website.
1: Yes, and some of the worst people in the world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired of it. I I'm ready to
1: I can like if so, when something really goes down, I just mute Meltzer for like a week on Twitter. Like the the term Meltzer so that I don't see any tweets about him
2: and that helps. Well, I made you showed me your mute list that you did for the stardom draft. And I have to say I half of it for the record. <laughs> as someone that like, if you tweet at Fuji, and you tweet about certain things, I don't see it. Cause I don't want to see it. A lot of it's political stuff. I don't want to see it. So yeah. when I see a very long list of, uh, uh, of stardom mutes in before the draft, I very much appreciate someone who has a strong muting valor as AB has.
1: I have a ton of like NFL stuff muted because I just hate football tweets.
3: I have, um, I think, I have Kanye muted, and I have the word cowards
1: muted. Fucking okay. <laughs> <I'm laughs> sick of cowards tweets. Jesus Christ. Okay. Have you guys noticed that uh, that the feeling cute might delete later meme has like creeped over into normydom only this week?
3: No, I don't engage in normydom. <laughs>
1: It's like, I still go onto Facebook for a reason that I will not disclose on this podcast. And you got to stop saying stuff like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're just going to take a grave there, buddy. I like creating lore.
1: And there are suddenly like tons of posts about feeling cute might delete later. Hmm. That's like a, at least a year old me, right?
2: Like I would say three or four years. Yeah. I made it's insane. Well, I mean, what are they going to find next? I, I mean to be honest, like when you like when like you discover like as these things permeate and just like people you wouldn't expect to get to do things like I mean I I earlier this week saw my dad just go on Twitter and drag Howard Schultz for the last six months. So I mean you can find you find out things whenever whenever you lead this and you go towards Normandom.
1: I just realized that. For the next, the time we normally record the next episode, uh, we will be at Blackpink? Or no, it's the day after Blackpink. I'll be in Chicago, though. That's the point that I'm making.
3: Yeah. I should have gotten one of those days off, probably, but I didn't do it, and I already took a bunch of days off this month. (laughs) Nice
1: work.
2: Well planned. Yeah. Yes. Well,
1: we'll figure it out. Okay. Well, I, I think that's all. Do we have anything else that we want to talk about?
2: Other than I fully stand and am completely for the revolutionary army and stardom. Mm-hmm. I mean, Strong. I, I, I follow anyone who quotes Che Guevara as a go home promo. That's all I got though.
1: Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Nate?
3: You know, obviously uh, team Kimura Goon.
1: Wow. I'm outnumbered. Uh, I obviously will die for Queens quest. It's
3: Momo's fault
2: why I left.
3: I mean, you've got a you've got a cool little hand signal there, but you don't have doing the uh, you know devil horns and rolling your eyes back in your head and sticking your tongue out. That's just extremely cool.
1: It is very cool. Uh, I'm afraid that if we were making a right to left, um, you know, a scatter plot, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: that uh, Queens Quest would end up much more on the fash side. So that concerns me. Uh, But I will never betray
2: Momo Watanabe. She betrayed me. She betrayed me. By not drafting Konami. Yeah. I mean, she got really sad after Konami got drafted by leader Hana. So that's her fault, you know?
1: The Stardom draft is so weird because they don't draft the way you would, like, in even in
2: kayfabe. Yeah, in normal life, like Azumi going first round, why would you draft her first round over Otami Hayashi? Well, I get
1: that. She wanted to save Azumi from Oedo Tai because Kagetsu had been clear that she would draft Azumi first. But like Mayu drafting Starlight Kid first overall. Yeah. Is that funny? Like It's I... it's
3: it's very uh constructed. It's it's themed, it's very uh artificial and you sort of see the seams of it because Also, if I have the units, just stop halfway through and just go. No, I'm done. Yeah, I love that. We're not going to pick all the way out. I'm just stopping now.
1: What I really wanted to happen was for Kagetsu's whole thing to have been uh, a a work, you know, that she would have been saying about Azumi. So then, when it was her pick, she would choose like Utami, you know, or something. Mm.
3: Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Swerve Mayu.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that would have been a lot of fun, but uh, didn't go that way. She just, uh, but at least there were a lot of good bits with like Natsu. And uh, especially the kids. The, the, the funniest <laughs> thing is like, the kids crying
2: because they hadn't been picked.
3: Yeah, and because it's a shoot and they don't know if they're being picked or what.
2: Yeah, it ruled. <laughs> Did you see the interviews afterwards, like the transcripts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
3: the, uh, the kimura Goon one is awesome.
2: Oh, yeah, the kimura Goon one where she is very mean towards Konami, but then immediately goes to Lena and say, all right, stick your tongue out, roll your eyes back, throw up devil horns, and Kyoto is like trying to stop this. This is like, <laughs> This will be a fun year.
1: Yes, though if if you have any idea what we're talking about and, and follow Stardom, then at twf eighty uh, seven, screen name Death by Arisa Nakajima is a must follow because uh, he, I guess yeah, he does the translations on the promos, the post match promos, speaks enough Japanese to be able to do that, and so uh, you got to follow him and get get those those translations. So those are always helpful. Uh, I guess that's all for the stardom talk. (laughs) See, we're going ahead and starting to inoculate our listeners just in case this is a a buy promotion and it flops and uh, we have to move over to talking about Joshi.
3: Yeah, we should maybe brainstorm an E word that
1: fits with stardom. (sighs) Yeah, it's very tough. I don't know. I'll think about it, though. Anyways. Okay. I guess that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.